over a year. It's an honor to meet the Wolverine. That's not who I am anymore. For many years, I have wanted to thank you for saving my life. I didn't send for you only to thank you, Logan. I wanted to repay you. A gift to equal the life you gave me. You have struggled long enough. I can end your eternity. Make you mortal. What they did to me, what I am, can't be undone. Ciao, my people, and welcome to our 103rd episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, and more. If it came from a comic and had theatrical release, you know we'll discuss it. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and today we'll be discussing The Wolverine. And with me today to discuss this second solo film of the X-Men's most famous Canadian, played by an Australian, is the High Priest of Conchu, Ray. Hey Ray, how are you? And welcome back to Happiness and Darkness. Hello, 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 Nick. Always happy to be here. And uh, yeah, it, very excited to talk about a fellow Australian. I can't believe this hasn't been covered yet, The Wolverine. It, you know, it's it's. I think it's up there, but we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it seems like when I posted about this, there was a lot of excitement generated on the interwebs about this. So uh, and uh, and you know we'll get into this of course as we as we discuss it but uh, yeah i'm actually really really glad you picked this and you know as i said you being australian yourself like our <laughs> leading man who better than you to discuss you know a wolverine solo movie <laughs> yeah I, I really i really enjoyed the discussion on logan that you guys mm-hmm. did um that kind of got me i mean really keen to to rewatch it because i've only seen it like once um when it came out but i've got the blu-ray and i really want to make time for it but this was a perfect opportunity to rewatch this one the wolverine which i think is a great prototype to to james mangold's um i guess direction for the character Mm-hmm, exactly yeah and and as ray was actually saying you know today we are of course discussing the wolverine from 2013 directed by james mangold who has quite a few great films to his name from copland to go interrupted to walk the line and of course the highly acclaimed recently ford v ferrari screenplay of course was by james mangold and scott frank while the original score was by a certain marco beltrami who we've met quite a few times on this podcast <laughs> and on estimate print day's money ray this this movie cost $154 million to make and made $485 million at the box office. So not bad returns for a, yeah. an X-Men solo movie. So when it actually came, you said you, you, you only watched this the one time. And on, on your rewatch, what did you make of, of this second Wolverine solo film? Uh, I still really enjoyed it. I mean, it's still up there with uh, some of my favourite comic book films. Uh, um, it, it's it's interesting because um, I think when it did come out, it was for me it was, it was a bit of a game changer, just in the fact that it it um, handled Wolverine and a comic book movie slightly different. I mean, I think James Mangold does this kind of. I don't want to liken him to Chris Nolan, but he does kind of ground the character really well. And and we don't have that over-the-top kind of X-Men, Brian Singer, uh, which is good as well, uh, with a lot of bells and whistles. Um, so re-watching it as well, I, I definitely knew what to expect. Um, I found... Uh, I found the... I guess the motivation uh, for Yoshida a mm. little bit... Uh, on the weak side, like in retrospect, like when I first watched it, it was like, oh, okay, he wants to give Logan this gift of of dying. Mm. Um, rewatching it again and knowing what he wants, I guess at the end really did kind of color that. Um, but it was like, oh, that's a little bit of a 
a bit of a stretch for what he wants to sell to Logan. Mm. I mean, were you at all gun shy going into this, having seen what Gavin Hood had done with X-Men Origins Wolverine, which we know is still very much a lambasted and lampooned film to this day? Yeah. Um, no, it's really funny being, a, I guess, a comic book fan and, and a Wolverine fan. It just always excited when another movie comes out and and it's a different director for one so you're kind of like okay it's not going to be like origins which you know had some merits uh not much but this was an, a, a guy james mangold who he, you know as you mentioned girl interrupted um quite you know quite um heavy um you know really deep films yes. I- compared to other comic book films so it gave me a, a sense of faith that james Mango would, would produce something different. Uh, and no, no. So I, I went in with, uh, I wouldn't say high expectations, but with with wide eyes, just keen to see what he's going to do. Well, you know what? It's interesting you mentioned the great director because, you know, when we had discussed um, Ang Lee's Hulk, and mm-hmm. Ang Lee is a guy who brought us such films as Brokeback Mountain and huge, mm. huge movies, and it kind of made a bit of a blunder on when it came to, to Hulk for a lot of people. But, um, you know, when it came to this one, yeah, I was I was not a huge fan of the X-Men Origins Wolverine film. And, mm-hmm. you know, to this day, I still curse Gavin Hood's name because of, like, <laughs> what did you do? But, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right with you. This was very much a step up from that one. And I think you would expect that from a director of the caliber of James Mangold, not to mention yeah. his co-writer, Scott Frank, who did actually give us such things as Logan, as you were mentioning. So you, I guess uh, you can yeah. see a little bit of the, the flavor that would be going to Logan from here. And also, um, Scott Frank also wrote, co-wrote such things as Out of Sight, which is another great film. And, <laughs> and all in all, I, w- I would say that it doesn't disappoint. I had not, like you, I would not seen this in a long time. And I'm so glad you wanted to discuss this one. As there are issues when it yeah. comes to continuity sure. moving forward. But... All in all, I'm right there with you. I did enjoy this one. So it's, I think it's, yeah. Yeah, look, I think also as well, we're, we're blessed these days on the, with the internet online to, to be privy to, you know, teasers and trailers and stuff like that. And um, and certainly I think I was sold by the teasers and trailers of The Wolverine. It, it, as I mentioned, it just came across as something different. Like there was that, uh, I just remember there's that scene where Wolverine's at the sink and it's kind of really fuzzy, kind of shaky camera right up to his eyes. And he's going, what's what's happening to me? You, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, I, I was just sold. I was like, okay, this is this is going to be a different – we're not going to get Origins at all. This is going to be Wolverine taken, like, seriously and, and, and less comic booky. I mean, I don't want to say that because that um, implies that anything comic booky is bad, but it, it just gives it a new angle. Agreed. I'm very, I'm totally with you when it comes to that, for sure. So let's get to our characters on the board here, starting with our titular character, Hugh Jackman, of course, reprising his role as Logan the Wolverine. <laughs> so when it came to your fellow Australian here, Ray, I'm sure, of course, you were a fan of his prior to the other times he'd played Wolverine. What did you make of the way what Logan did in this film? I really liked. It. I loved uh, Hugh Jackman's performance. He he only second only probably to to Logan. Uh, he just gives so much to the character, and and much of it is uh, Mangold's um, uh, writing uh, as well and direction. But he's just he's just perfect. He's done it a load of times before, so he's coming into this one uh, really primed. Uh, he is in his like prime physically and seems that at his peak at least he's ripped uh, as anything uh and he's probably the most muscular i think that and days of future past he, he was in the best shape like ever i mean he's always been in good shape but um no he, he was great as wolverine um very uh a reclusive uh character at the beginning um kind of begrudging um but but he falls under the spell of, of mariko and you can see this sense of honor he wants to to help them although you know, he really has no, um, you know, he's, he's got no reason to really be there other than just say goodbye to Yoshida. Very well said. I mean, I guess, you know, like just like you, like many people, I'm kind of the mind that Hugh is the quintessential Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And whoever goes on to fill his shoes has quite the rep to live up to. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is, like you were saying, along with Logan, one of the best films that showcases why people love Hugh Jackman in this role and why Wolverine has become such a beloved character, at least on screen, is 
here, of course, you know, we have Logan suffering from the aftermath of what we'd seen in X-Men The Last Stand. So uh -huh. a very much traumatized man who was obviously hallucinating over Jean Grey, the woman uh -huh. he loved, and he killed. And I guess the fact that he has left the X-Men at this point and is now living the life of a loner in the wilderness. And um, he, I think he's very much going through an existential crisis and probably would just like to end it all and feels he's destined to be alone. So maybe part of him is like, I wish I could die, but I don't want to die. But it's 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 kind of an odd one there. But it's a, it's an interesting kind of, I think, um, debate he goes on in his mind. And I think the film is literally about Logan facing his demons or ghosts, if you will. As in his head, I think he's being almost seduced and taunted by the ghost of Jean Grey. And on the other, he finds himself thrown into having to face other very real and living ghosts of his past when it comes to Yoshida. So I think it's almost like you have to confront your demons, be it living or not. And I think you can tell it is also Scott Frank and uh, James Mangold's writing here. His relationship with Yoshida is rather similar to the one we will then get with X-23 in Logan. I mean, there's because, oh. um, you know, he's very grumpy and grouchy and he's ill mm. and he's, you know, with with both. I mean, oh, pardon me, um, Yukio, I mean, not Yukio, Yishida. Yeah. 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 I kind of got that vibe of their relationship, which, of course, we'll get to because with X-23, it's kind of similar. And so maybe mm -hmm. it could be the writing. But what I love is both of them bring out the hero in him and he ends up shining through by movie's end. And I think he ends up making peace with most of his demons by the end of this film by on one hand the confrontation with Yoshida and on the other sparking this possible relationship with, with, with Mariko by movie's end. So I like that it almost, you know, came full circle, if you will, when it came to the Wolverine story or, you know, rediscovering his past, coming to terms with, you know, what was, what, what, what was left to be, um, you know, resolved and fulfilled, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... Um like going into it a second time and, you know, preparing for the show and putting on a little bit more of a um, critical and a nitpicky vibe to my viewing. Um, of course, look, it does exactly, I think, as you say, it does set him up as this tortured being, which he's very much so in yeah. Logan. And, and that's one of the, the great things you love to, to watch about Logan on screen. He's got so much baggage because of what he's done, uh, especially in this instance, what he's done with Gene. I do think, though... Maybe I'm just totally wrong. I was thinking, like, did they potentially reverse engineer this as a... Because, again, I go back to my um, point about Yoshida and his, you know, his motive of getting Logan in and saying, look, um, I just want to give you this gift of, you know, you want to grow old with someone you love. Um, yeah. But they needed those flashbacks with Logan, with Gene, to actually reinforce that. That If we didn't have that at all, I mean, it would be an absolutely absurd um uh offer from Yoshida because Logan's you know he's reclusive but um you really kind of need to not hammer it home but maybe zone focus in on that and I think that was what the importance was for having Jean Grey Jean Grey and those flashbacks um mm. taking nothing away of course because they do set up again Logan he's such a tragic figure um but I I found like a correlation there and, and I think that was you know just looking at practically I think that was definitely put in there to to help prop up this motive that, that Ishida had, which was a little bit weird. <laughs> no, very much so. And of course, you know, yeah. more, more on that later. But I do agree that, uh, I mean, the Jean Grey character, you know, of course, I, I you know, we will be talking a little bit more about her um, as we mm -hmm. progress. But I think that role was almost, it reminded me a little bit of what had been done in The Spirit when it came to, I don't know okay. if you've seen The Spirit, but um, you have, shall we say, death, if you will, an incarnation of death almost taunting and tempting the spirit of like come to me you know and give up mm -hmm. this life and everything else so yes i think this was that this was a similar thing to what was done in the spirit but it was done better <laughs> so i think oh, that's, okay that's the only difference i mean the spirit has its moments and uh, you know folks you want to hear more about what our thoughts on the spirit we did cover that film but i i i know it made me think very much of, of that um of that kind of relationship if you will but uh, but more on that later for now 
let's get to the two new ladies in Logan's life, at least in this film. On one side, we have Tao Okamoto as Mariko, whom our listeners might know from Hannibal, Batman vs. Superman, uh, Dawn of Justice, Westworld, and The Man in the High Castle. And on the other, we have Rila Fukushima as Yukio, whom our listeners might know from Ghost in the Shell and Arrow. So when it came to uh, these two ladies, uh, Ray, what did you make of uh, Mariko and, uh, and Yukio? Oh, look, I, I love them. Um, both, you know, having knowledge of the, the comic books and and seeing how they've kind of been tweaked to be used here. I loved how both of them were used, uh, kind of uh, surrogate kind of sisters. Um, we get we get enough, like, with, with Yukio. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised that she... We, we know her backstory, like she does tell it uh, a few times, um, her own pain as well of knowing the future, uh, but also a kick-ass fighter. I, I think she was brilliant. I loved her her foray as as Wolverine's bodyguard, let's say that, like um, <laughs> don't call her the sidekick. Uh, but no, I loved, I loved seeing her on screen. I think she was fantastic. Every time she came on screen, it kind of lit up for me. Um, also, Mariko, I think she was, I think she was great. She had this really gentle beauty to her um we, we know and again they've, they've introduced these little things how she is good with knives uh, she can hold her own to an extent which is good but she had this uh, i guess this vulnerability but this beauty uh but that you can understand wolverine or logan kind of got drawn to eventually um but their relationship and again how that factors in with yashida and shingen uh really works well uh so we got we really have a familial well, family matters for this, uh, and, and Wolverine gets drawn into it. Oh, very much so. And and I think, you know, I guess starting with, with Mariko, I did have some problems with this character. As we do learn, like you said, that she's apparently an incredibly proficient fighter, yet... Uh-huh. She barely does any fighting at all in the movie. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you, you know, in, you know, instead of like telling us about it, show us what you can do. As yeah. the bulk of the of the fighting, of course, is done by Logan when it comes to her. But you would expect her to show off these skills she claims to have. And I was surprised we got literally nothing in this when it came to that. But you know, she spends most of the time, I think, pretty much fleeing for her life and yeah. falling in love with Logan in the process. To her credit, I do think that she has the essential role of helping Logan to find his humanity together with Yukio and almost move on past Jean Grey and maybe mm-hmm. also possibly help him to live more in the real world. I mean, I I get that for a woman living in what is very much, I guess one could say, a phallocentric society and structure, it's mm-hmm. hard for her to really do much. I mean, you know, that, yeah. that said, there's certain, that, I mean, I, I mean, it almost made you think of a film like Parasite, for example, where you really, where she would say the female role, uh, you know, unfortunately women, especially in this kind of situation, don't really have much of a say. And I think though there's certainly strength in this character because she does stand up to all, a lot of the men in her life, you know, from her granddad to Noburu to Shingen and even her former paramour Harada. So I think... Mm. Um, that's that's her role mainly. I, I would have liked to see more fighting. It would have been nice to see. But uh, yeah, I, I think yeah they did miss that opportunity because there was only that one moment I could make of like that had any real relevance was uh, shortly after the the funeral. Uh, she gets attacked by the yakuza uh, and she does this nifty thing with the knife, uh, which yeah. looks really hard to do. It's like oh that's pretty cool, and, and then she mentions it to Logan in their kind of retreat. Uh, and then you really just don't see any of it until, you know, lo and behold, she needs to use it to full effect at the end to to defeat uh, Yashida. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely could have been used a little bit more. But I guess that you've got the likes of Yukio and Logan there just to take the brunt of all the fight scenes. It's hard to kind of squeeze in someone else. No, oh, very true. Very true. And, and in fact, you know, speaking of Yukio, I guess she definitely gets much more to do in this because... Mm. Uh, I, like I mentioned before, I very much saw the foundation of Logan's relationship with X-23 when it comes to how her and Logan play off each other. And I feel that she very much relates to Logan, you know, seeing her past of having been an outcast, if you will, never really been accepted within Mariko's family. And I, and I did like also how ambiguous her precognitive abilities were and whether she herself was a mutant or not. I mean, it mm-hmm. appears that she is. It's never really openly said but, you know, we also know no. from the comics and stuff. But I guess because it's almost like I can see people die or I know how people will die. But you think to yourself, you know, is it just 
a feeling that she has or is she actually a mutant? And, you know, if you go on, obviously, and read about stuff on the interwebs, they definitely do say she is a mutant. Yeah, and there's a... Sorry. Um, go ahead. There, there is a vague kind of... Um, implication from Shingen. Uh, I yeah. think in that scene where Logan's on the operating table saying, I think he mentioned something broadly like, you know, the likes of you, um, yeah. referring to Logan and Yukio. So, yeah, it's implied that she's a, a mutant, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's left ambiguous. It is, it is. I mean, it's... And, and I guess she's literally the reason why Logan succeeds in his mission. And, he, and heck, the scene in which Logan performs surgery on himself... <laughs> in order to free himself of the parasite which Viper had placed into him, I think would not have been successful had Yukio not been there to hold oh. Shingen off. I mean, that's, a cra- that's the craziest kind of surgery I've ever seen. Yeah. People fighting in the background while you're trying to extract stuff from your heart. It's like, your heart. okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, she does very much seem to have popped out of an anime, and I love that. Mm-hmm. It almost made me think a little bit of the um, the character that we get in Deadpool, who's very kind of mm. anime-like. But I love her energy and the upbeat attitude. And, and once again, it's a direct contrast to Logan's more morose and gloomy nature. And it seems like we have to pair Logan with happy-go-lucky people in order for, <laughs> him, to, for him to find his happy self, if you will. Yeah. I mean, Granted, X-23 is not uh, a ray of sunshine necessarily, but she seems a little bit more, shall we say, upbeat, if you will, compared to Logan. Yeah, yeah. well, well, she had that that innocence, I guess, to her. Uh, Maybe that naivety, which is is good. And yeah, I mean, she was deadly, and I'm just thinking in my head that fight scene with her. Um, But no, no, I I definitely agree with you. Uh, She kind of brought that lighter side to to Logan. Uh, Similar that Yukio does here. Yeah, very much so, yes, for sure. So let's get to one of Logan's antagonists in this film, who at the end of the day, we could probably place in the good guy column. We have Will Yun Lee as Harada, who our listeners might know from Electra, which we actually discussed mm. on this podcast. Yes, this is a better movie than Electra, but he <laughs> was in that film as well. So, uh, Ray, what did you make of, of Harada? Um, I think he... Um, less developed, obviously, uh, mm. although he was spoken about for a fair bit uh, by Mariko, um, or Mariko. Uh, yeah, he was good. He was like the archer. He had his own set of skills, uh, kind of redeemed himself at the end uh, because he kind of chopped and changed between hero, protecting Mariko, and, and villain, kind of getting her for Viper. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I was less interested in him, um, and... I could potentially see a little bit of chemistry between himself and Mariko, but that wasn't fleshed out at all. So for me, he was just kind of like a, um, I don't want to say part of the scenery, but he, he kind of blended in back uh, into the background a little bit for me. Right. Well, I guess, you know, I guess very much the ninja quality of blending yeah. into the background. <laughs> you know? yeah. but, but it's true. I could not really tell, you know, you didn't really get the feeling that these two were ex-lovers or mm. actually, or there was actually really love. It almost seemed like a protective older brother, if you will, yes. to a sister almost, mm-hmm. rather than this is the woman that I love and that I wanted to marry. And I mean, and also compared to the character in, in, in Electra, this is obviously a more noble, though yep. rather once again, I'll uh, ambiguous character as I believe his heart is in the right place. Yes. But he's simply misguided due to his loyalty to the Yoshida clan. And so stopping Logan is possibly seen as doing the right thing because you're protecting your master, if you will. Yeah. As as on one side, you know, we get the noble and faithful warrior and the great swordsman and archer. Yet on the other, you would just like to sit this guy down and slap him. So he actually <laughs> gets the picture of what is going on. And I was so upset because it was too late when he suddenly, you know, has that heel turn, it's like, I'm going to fight with Logan. And they were such yeah. a great, it was such a great team up. I would have loved to see more of that, but, you know, it was kind of too late for him and he meets his end, sadly. And I was a little bit upset about that, but I, yeah, I mean, he, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he only wants what is best for his master and his master's family, regardless of having to put up with clearly evil people like Viper. So I suppose... Yeah. You could maybe question his moral compass and that, you know, that because the, the fact that he knows that Viper has clearly nefarious purposes and you think, oh, because I'm a noble guy, I'm going to join the noble people. So Mariko and, and Logan's side. But 
And it was a shame, but I did dig this guy for the most part. And like I said, I was kind of sad to he- see him killed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, um, he, was, he had great skill. I mean, and I wanted to see more of that as well. But again, I think um, they did invest quite a lot. I mean, let's face it as well. Logan does take a, a lot of the screen time, which you want. I mean, that's what the studios want. They're bang for their buck. Um, but you, you have to fit in Yukio and, and Mariko there. Um Shingen as well, I found interesting. But Hirata, yeah, he did fall by the wayside. I did feel a little, um, mm. it's kind of like, oh, you poor bastard. Like, you know, you've only just kind of <laughs> figured it out now. But you, you're right, he had his duty to the clan, so you can't blame him. No, exactly. I guess one could almost make the uh, comparison to the Dora Milaje when it comes to uh, Black Panther, as in no yeah. matter who is king of Wakanda, you have to serve them, whether you like it or not. So mm. I think it's almost maybe him and Okoye could probably have some some talks about that, I think, <laughs> if there was ever a crossover when it came back. Granted, this is also the Marvel Universe. So, hey, maybe someday that might happen. So let's get to the lady who haunts logan's days and nights the amazing famke jansen returning as gene gray so ray granted here we are literally dealing with a fantasy if you will but what did you make of of the role of gene in this film um i think she i think uh she was done really well and it, it was a nice surprise to have famke uh, jansen in in the movie uh to tie this movie into you know the greater x-men kind of law uh in the cinemas uh, but yeah i mean she as mentioned she she had a, a very important role because uh, she was the one beckoning logan uh you know to put put, put him at ease like, you know just you don't have to keep on fighting uh, and you all know this is what logan wants you know mm-hmm. um the thing that really touched me one of the the thing that was most touching for me was that last interaction at the end where logan actually says i love you gene um, mm-hmm. but he decides to not follow her down that path. Um, that was, for me, that was, that had some gravity to it. It wasn't just, you know, oh, look, you know, he's just saying that he's not going to, um, follow the light in the tunnel. Uh, but by just saying out loud, I love you, Gene, it really did cement this relationship he had with Jane. I mean, like, and he was telling Mariko as well, like he killed her. I mean, can you imagine this woman that you love? And you may argue whether that chemistry or relationship was built successfully in the X-Men films. I mean, that's for another discussion, but I really did get a sense that by the end of it, uh, Logan was very much kind of just haunted by Jean and um, yeah. And, and it was, it was very touching towards the end. So no, uh, she did a great performance. She's always fabulous to see for sure. And I, and I thought, You know, th- th- this character, as I mentioned, you know, compared to what we'd seen in the spirits, this was actually a better use of a character like this. And it was a clever choice, I thought, to almost represent Logan's trauma and possibly mm. his losing the will to live or, if anything, causing himself to cut himself off from everyone and everything. Not to mention, I do believe Gene makes Logan doubt himself sometimes when it comes to interacting with others or getting too close to other people, mm-hmm. i.e. Mariko or heck, even Yukio as a friend. And, and I guess she kind of almost plays the role of what we've seen also some animated shows like, you know, the uh, the split conscience of the angel and the devil on his shoulders. as. Mm-hmm. As there are times when she almost seems like a soothing presence, and even a temptress in almost like letting himself die. And on the other, there are times when she seems to taunt him for the way he acts and behaves. Mm. So it's almost like, granted, okay, this is a, a psychological projection of Logan's as mm. how would Jean behave? Not to mention, of course, she's obviously, you know, dressed like a, a Victoria's Secret kind of <laughs> angel there. So, of course, it's a Logan fantasy. We know this. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, of course, kidding, of course. But I thought it was interesting that she had this almost double thing of, you don't have to do this. Let go. You know, we can be together. Mm. And on the other, she's kind of like, you, so many people next, you know, who come close to you die. So it's. Mm. Well, it, as, as you yeah. say, um, as, as you say, Nick, that this is, it's basically Logan's voice and his subconscious yeah. uh, and, and his own, uh, he knows deep down, like he knows that he hurts everyone that he comes in close contact with. And it's something that he probably denies or he probably finds very hard to accept, but it comes out through this projection as well. Also to the fact that um, to, for want of a better term, give up, you know, like just let it go and, and be with Gene um, wherever that may be uh, because he's 
although he's got a healing factor, there's a fatigue and a, and a, a tiredness to him. It seems um, he's he's experienced too much. You know, he's. Um, uh, I mean, we see it at the beginning for for, God, for God's sake with the yes. Nagasaki, the bomb, like uh, amazing opening. Um, I think I love that it's an extended opening to get us intro introduced into Wolvie and um, and Yashida, but um, fantastic. He he's been through a lot. We know in Origins as well. He's fought in countless wars, plus all the X Men stuff. Uh, very traumatic, and he may have a healing factor, but that doesn't mean that uh, it heals any trauma or, or mental wounds. Oh no! Very, very well said. And and I guess it's a yeah. It's I mean it's a project. It's a great way I think of tackling that kind of uh, that kind yeah. of should we say um, troubles that you have in your head. And uh, you need I think a director like James Mangold to really make something like this work. So mm -hmm. let's look at two of our villains then here. Starting with, we of course, we have Hiroyuki Sanada as Shingen, who my listeners might know from The Last Samurai, Rush Hour 3, and recently Mortal Kombat, in which he did a great job. And on the other, we have Svetlana Konchenkova as Viper, who is, of course, was in the Loving the Big City trilogy, Viking, and many more. So when it came to uh, Shingen, of course, and you, you know, you, I know you're familiar with the comics, uh, Ray, so mm -hmm. I know you're familiar with Shingen. What did you make of Shingen and Viper? Uh, okay, so this is kind of chalk and cheese for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shingen, again, I found him very solid. Actually, there was a point in the movie when I was watching it, thinking to myself, geez, this actor's good, because he really does exude, like, this authority and this kind of brutal, uh, brutal nature uh, and I was thinking in my head, um, I'm sure once, you know, the director says cut, I'm sure he's a really nice guy and, you know, he's on the level, but he really does exude this kind of authority, which I really like. And and uh, he does he does come across as a formidable opponent, um, not only, you know, politically or whatever with the, the family and the will, but uh, in fighting. I mean, Logan sees him and says he's, he's pretty good. Uh, Yukio, well, he's, he's all right. <laughs> um, but Shingen was great. I, I loved him. Um, there there was that fight scene, the big moment. One of the, the big moments for me was when Logan gets his healing factor back and you know you know it's game on. It, it's just one of those power-up moments. Like you watch, when you're watching a movie, it's like, oh, yes, the status quo has been reset. Um, he's going to kick ass. And uh, one of the – I wanted to see, because in the comics, uh, Shingen, um, it literally, he drives a samurai sword through most of the trunk of Wolverine. Uh, it takes him, like, a, a month or something to recover. Um, but he gets in a few stabs there. I mean, like, he, he's trying his hardest against a guy with uh, a healing factor. Uh, but he was really good. Um, uh, in stark contrast, look, I've got nothing against Svetlana. I, I, I think she – delivered what she was given and, and probably was directed to do. But for me, Viper was a big, was a big raspberry. Um, I'll have to say that. Um, she felt like she was from Origins. Uh, she was so out of place in this. This was such a beautiful uh, opportunity to, to frame Japan, like, you know, to see the, the culture, as Yukio says, uh, a, a foot in the past and in the present. It was, it was such a, a lovely bit of uh, direction and, and cinematography, all that from Mangold. Then you have this very comic booky character in Viper. And I just, again, I know what her purpose was. Um, it, you know, for one, she she gives Logan the inhibitor to, to make him lose his healing factor. But she, she just seemed really, like, uh, uh, misplaced in this. And, um, and that just bled into, I mean, if I can talk about it now, why not the... the the final act of the movie, which for me posed the biggest problems. Um, that, again, it, it kind of veered into a different feel for the movie, whereas the, most of the movie was this really tense, awesome look at Japan, but it was Logan and Mariko running away, you, you know, and, and I, I felt there was a thrill to that. But then when, when you had the Adamantium Silver Samurai, you had the return of Yoshida. You had Viper with, I don't know what, she, she took his skin off and she became bald and like a lizard. Uh, it was just, oh, stop. Like I was just thinking, just stop. That last act for me really, really hurt the film. Um, uh, yeah, so massive points taken off for there. But like I said, Svetlana, she did well for what she was given, but unfortunately it was written really poorly and her character was just, I, I wonder if it was studio intervention.
It could be because uh, it's true, as you said, because this film is very strong for, should we say, a big chunk of it. And then towards mm-hmm. the end, it almost like peters out, which is kind of sad when we get all the, the action going on. And it mm-hmm. was kind of also, you know, I think from a comic book perspective, you know, you and I know what a big character Viper is in the Marvel mm-hmm. Universe. Oh, absolutely. Such a shame to waste that character on... Uh, in my head canon, it's Viper with a Y or something. It's, it's another Viper. It's not. It's not the Viper <laughs> we know from the comics. Um, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was terrible. Unfortunately. Yeah, because she's a big, uh, you know, foe to both the Avengers and the X Men. So I thought mm-hmm. to myself, you know, you're bringing in Viper. Maybe work on this character a little bit. But oh, I, I, yeah. I'm. Pr- we're pretty much on the same page here because I think. Shingen is very much in line with his father and he wants to do what he wants to do. And he's not going to win father of the year anytime soon, of <laughs> course. But I think in his own mind, maybe he does see himself as being noble and following and furthering the family's growth as an empire and as a powerhouse. And you do, I think, also have to admire his pig headedness. That even yeah. once Logan has regained his self-healing powers, he continues to fight him, even though he knows this will probably lead to his death and his demise, which I think is maybe, I guess one could equate it to the, the literal soul of maybe a samurai, if you will, yeah. of you fight till you die. Or even you could equate to either a Viking or in this case a samurai. It's like the odds are stacked against you. And even though you know you're going to lose, you're going to give it your all anyway. You're not going to turn and run. And yes. so I will... I will give him that. When it comes to Viper, well, I guess I'm, I, I have to agree. It's, she's very much the cookie-cutter cookie, cookie cutter evil scientist kind of villain you would get in many action films. And, and I was trying to figure out what her endgame is. As from what I gathered, she's following along with Yoshida's plan of becoming immortal, but I'm still trying to figure out what she would get for her trouble, other than, of course, I'm sure being paid very handsomely. But (laughs) she's eventually, I guess, maybe planning on turning on Yoshida and taking his power for herself. I was a little bit puzzled. I mean, did you ever sort of stop and and scratch your head saying, what's your end game, girl? Oh, absolutely. And I think all of that is off off script and off screen and stuff. As you say, it's probably she had further plans to, to probably betray Yoshida or something and get the power for herself. Who knows? But the fact is that she wasn't built properly or developed properly uh, in the film. And uh, that really hurt her as a character, which is a shame because Fetlana, you know, she um, an opportunity. If ever you, you get into a, one of these comic book movies, right, you, you got to hope that you get something nice. And she probably landed the, the, the script and the role saying, oh, geez, I'm Viper. You know, and I don't know. Maybe she started reading the comics and going, wow, this is cool. Uh, but she gets, uh, you know she gets turned into this thing um at the end uh so yeah it was it was a bit disappointing i wanted to say also as well um the the big difference for me uh and the step up from the wolverine and logan is that man gold does away with this crap you know at the end and he it seems that like he he was perfecting his craft of how to tell wolverine and for me logan uh was a step above that in that sense that he doesn't I mean, there is a fight at the end, of course, but it's nothing as um, just left of field as this one. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Viper, who knows what she... She just seems evil. That's it. Um, and, yeah, she seemed, she infiltrated Yashida, the corporation, because she was, you know, tending to his medical needs. Um, she's a biochemist, that, that sort of thing. But, yeah, as for what she really wants... Who knows? Um, thankfully, she gets hit on the head with some weights and strangled in the lift shaft. I guess so. Yes, because see, this would be the perfect time for our mutual friend Russell to chime in when it comes to villains and their endgame. Because <laughs> as I said, this is this that was my big problem with that. Because aside from that, I do think that, yeah, like you, Svitlana does sell the concept of the evil, mm-hmm. toxic, femme fatale pretty well. And very much embraces the snake-like qualities of this character. I mean, I would have liked to have seen more of her and what she wants to do. And instead of her meeting her end at the hands of Yukio, as like we mentioned, yep. you know, as, as comic book fans, I mean, I know maybe a lot of moviegoers don't know the comics and stuff, but she is a big Avengers and X-Men villain fan, yeah. villain, villain character. So I, unless, you know, maybe someday Marvel Studios and Disney will, bring this character back in a more in a better setting in a more noble setting but 
I'm like, you Hopefully. know, you're not dealing with some, you could have called her, you know, rep, reptile if you want to use yeah. a Mortal Kombat yeah. name and not use Viper because she, it's a big character for crying out loud. It is a big character. I mean, if you're going to make it that arbitrary, that character, yeah, you might as well just make a new character. I mean, you're going to you're gonna please the fans because you don't tamper with, uh, you know, a, a well-known legacy character. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a shame um, with, yeah, with Viper. Um, yeah, and, and actually, that was the, the other thing as well, Nick. I, I, I remember, I didn't mind it so much now in the re- rewatch because, again, I knew what to expect. But I remember first watching it and, again, being bombarded with this final act and actually remember being really jarred by seeing Viper in her green uniform. Like that was that was like a hands in the air moment for me going oh come on like she just looks ridiculous now I mean on the rewatch it doesn't look that bad because I guess my expectations but like the first time you see her in a viper gear in the, in the green kind of bodysuit I mean you know she's a, a very beautiful woman but it's just like oh she just looks ridiculous yeah this has become like Austin Powers. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. If you were almost like a spoof on superhero uh, on comic book, superhero comic book movies, if you will, when it, or when they were done way back when, where it's like you have to have the costume like that because they know you're a villain. But um, <laughs> other than that, I think I think it's cool. So let's get to our big bad in this film and another classic Marvel character. We have Haruhiko Yamanuchi as Yoshida. The Silver Samurai, whom has been in so many films. Uh, you know, if you go and look at the guy's IMDb page, it's longer than my arm, folks. I mean, <laughs> to, to quote a few, I, of course, had seen him in The Life Aquatic, Zoolander 2, and tons of other things. So when it came to ostensibly our big bad, Ray, what did you make of Yoshida and the fact that we got the Silver Samurai of all characters? Yeah, uh, look. Uh, he's he's a great he's a great actor as well. I mean, really commanding voice. I love his voice. Uh, very deep and resonant. Um, but both failures, this Yoshida and the Silver Samurai, for me. Again, they. I mean, it's not uncommon to tamper a bit with the the comic book lore, but the Silver Samurai is nothing like this adamantium robot that he is. Um, Yoshida, though, is is interesting um, for me to an extent because I was conflicted because. We see at the beginning, as a young Yashida, he he was saved by Wolverine. So there is this payback that he wants to bestow to Wolverine. So at the end, when it's revealed that he wants to steal from Wolverine, his, his healing factor and his um, longevity, it kind of put me at odds in my mind, going, oh, that's it. I don't know how I felt, but it's just like, oh, it's what a terrible guy <laughs> it's a bit know? of a dick move let's be honest it, it is yeah because i wanted to like him you know because because he was seeing him in that opening uh scene he, he's so innocent and he has so much on himself like his um, uh, colleagues are doing um how do you, how do you say harry harry Curie, how do you say harry Curie? yeah 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 so he has that to contend with but he He's about to do it, I guess, but he was really um, kind of procrastinating before Logan gets him. Then he gets saved in this life-saving moment. So you'd think that you'd be in his debt, and he gives Logan. He wants to give Logan the sword. So he's obviously very thankful. But along the way, and we don't see it, he, he becomes obsessed and mad with uh, with finding out about the Wolverine. And somewhere along the way, it becomes to, okay, I want to just kill this guy and, and suck him dry. Uh, I think he, he didn't have enough screen time uh, but then again that was the the surprise we, we get him in the silver samurai i think so i understand that um but he f- for the big bad uh for the big bad it, it fails on both counts because we don't get yashida enough um to, to actually work on him and understand him a bit more and the silver samurai was uh i i think a little bit of a piece of crap <laughs> but, um it was fun with with it uh oh that was another thing that i i was just like so frustrated with i, I mean they, for one thing, they took in the movie that Wolverine's healing factor, which is is cool. It's a great premise. Well, yeah, up but then the they takes ta- right. Does, yeah, but then they take away his claws. I'm going, no, you can't take his claws away. <laughs> bone oh, and, claws and, are back. <laughs> and the bone claws, yeah, that was cool to see them go back. But you know, if you ask me, um, I I do prefer the adamantium ones to the bone claws. Uh, that's just how I grew up in the comics. Uh, but yeah, just oh no, don't cut off his claws and then and then this robot 
thing that is a silver samurai, it's almost as if it's a cartoon because it's got these – it's, like, factored it in. Like, it's got these um, implements that will hold Wolverine's, um, you know, hands and have, like, three little tweezers exactly measured to to you know go into the marrow of his of his bone of his bone claws uh i just found it a little bit ridiculous um the fights were i mean watching it again the fights were fun they were good uh, but you know the first time i watched it i watched it i i checked out um just you know just mentally i didn't walk out uh but this time i just enjoyed it for what it was it was just a yeah it was just a, a silly ending I could just see you, you know, on the couch. It's like, okay, I'm done. And you like get up and leave <laughs> and you need the TV on for whoever wants to watch it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I am, I'm right there. Cause I think this is the thanks you get for saving somebody from an atomic blast. I know. Had I been Logan, I probably would have been just as mad and upset about it as who knew, I guess, that the soldier you saved was actually heir to a huge family fortune, or was a self-made man. I mean, it's hard to, to grasp whether the Yoshidas were already, should we say, big mm. news in Japan at the time, or whether, uh, should we say, um, Yoshida himself, you know, created his great wealth and became one of the most powerful men in Japan. But... Uh, I guess you almost what I get it get is you have the contrast of a man whose time is limited and obsesses over wanting more time to mm. ensure I guess that his empire does not crumble versus a man who literally has nothing but time and probably wishes he could die. That is not lost on me. But I mm. and I suppose that Yoshida's obsession with potential mortality, like you were saying, has driven him to madness. And mm. he goes to the greatest of extremes to obtain it from hiring dangerous felons like Viper to betraying a friend in Wolverine. When it came to the adamantium thing, it seemed a little bit odd, but I sp my only thing was maybe, you know, he's like a multi-billionaire and he can probably find adamantium, but it seems like it's super hard to find. It's almost like, yeah. you know, it's almost like, you know, these days with the MCU, vibranium is like one of the most expensive and impossible mm -hmm. things to find. So but I suppose you're a billionaire, you can probably find a mine somewhere of adamantium wherever adamantium can be found but yes i did think the silver samurai thing was a little bit uh, ridiculous and uh, i guess the the swords cutting off the the the, the claws was a little bit oh. weird but yeah uh, but i guess uh you know i will give um haruhiko yamunuchi a, a you know a shout out because i think he did a great job with what oh, he was yeah. given yes. he did great but it's the it's how it came together, and I, and, and, I, and I was like you, I was very disappointed because I thought to myself, this is really a great movie. Why does it fail at the end? It's no. <laughs> like, ah, you know, <laughs> it, it makes me think of those of those hockey games where you do really well the first two periods and then just destroy yourself in the oh. third and final period. It's like you were yeah. doing so well. What happened, dude? But, yeah, um, it, it's it's like uh, it's like I really wish somewhere there's a director's cut or something mm -hmm. and there's an alternate version to this i mean because i was thinking about it look um when he does get his healing factor back i was thinking look does that wrap everything up no but he still has to find mariko so that was a loose thread so that had to be resolved you know um we didn't really and we had to see viper defeated and all that but Basically, it was it's all about getting Mariko back. That was the only thing that was left to do. Uh, in my m mind, I, I just dream that there is another director's cut where where they do that somehow, um, but they don't go through all this schmozzle of of the Silver Samurai and Yashida and like just yeah. Anyway, it was uh, <laughs> it was uh, yeah. Um, and and uh, you know, moving forward here, Ray, when it came to the the, the ending and also even the post credit scenes, mm. how did you feel? How did you feel about those? Were you happy with the ending of this film? And you know what we got ostensibly as as post credit scenes? Uh, the ending, as in, you mean the um the, the goodbyes with Mariko? Yeah, and, exactly. And the, yeah, should we say yeah. the big, the big, uh, obviously the last snog before before yeah. <laughs> is back on the plane, if you will. <laughs> And then, of course, we get that wonderful post. I actually love the post credit scene where we get yeah. this. We've, it's revealed that Professor X is alive and well, and apparently he's working with Magneto and everything yeah. else. So what did you make of all that? Were you happy with all that? I was happy with it. I mean, it um, again, I was in my mind watching it again. I was thinking, OK, look, if we cut out that last act and if we somehow just pasted it straight into that 
plane scene at the end and somehow resolve Mariko, that would be a pretty cool film. Like, you know, just get rid of the thing. Um, But I I really did love it. I I love the fact that um, he says to Mariko, look, I'm probably not going to see you again. Um, But he... Does it, it does give it one one little snog and and again that kind of banter between Yukio as well was pretty was pretty fun. Um, I just want to also mention that alternate um, the, the deleted scene. Nick, mm-hmm. did you? Uh, but I thought that was really cool. They should have just kept that in where Agreed. Yukio, ha- yeah, hands Logan the briefcase. He opens it and you just see the Wolverine suit. I mean that makes sense, right? Um, you know, with with samurais and Ronins and. You know, this is a little parting gift. Uh, that would have been beautiful. As for the the end scene, uh, credit scene, uh, yeah, I think I think it was great. It was such a. I remember first seeing it. It was such, such excitement. It's. Uh, I think it was the first time that uh, a non MCU film kind of introduced an end credit scene. I'm not too yeah. sure. I just remember it being like, oh, they're doing it now, and you see uh, Trask uh, Industries. Uh, so all these little Easter eggs, uh, but to see. So Ian McKellen back again, and you see him. You see that hat behind Wolverine um, before he even kind of makes his announcement, uh, his arrival. But then seeing Professor X, it's like yes. Um, so that was re- that got me really excited for what was to come. Oh, you and me both. And I mean, uh, I still miss uh, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart to yeah. this day. I, I wonder what, uh, hopefully we might get a cameo from them once mutants are introduced in the MCU at large, because mm-hmm. their legacy, I think, is still very much felt or, you know, and it would be wonderful to see to see them come back or heck, even Michael Fassbender would to, yeah. to come back as well. It would be really cool. I mean, heck, in this multiverse of madness, which seems to be coming <laughs> coming up. Anything yes. can happen. Anything, yeah. Exactly. Check out the the, the Spider Man No Way Home uh, trailer, folks, and you'll see <laughs> what we're talking about. Or watch <laughs> the. But yeah. So going back to this film, um, Ray, what do you give the Wolverine out of ten? Uh, this is a hard one, Nick. But uh, I'm going to give it, uh, despite what we said about the last act, I'm still going to give it a solid eight. I really did love this film, and that's actually testament. If they fixed up that ending, um. The Wolverine and Logan would be my absolute favourite um, Wolverine-based um, or Wolverine-included uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been up there like nine maybe if if the ending was kind of fixed. Um, I still enjoyed most of it, uh, so uh, I, I've got to give it a high score because uh, just with what Mangold had has done to Wolverine, like we didn't even um, talk about it, but that bullet train fight scene, um, just Wolverine fighting in general against Shingen. And the Yakuza at the beginning, um, just fantastic. So much fun. Uh, and then those quieter moments with with Mariko. And there's that moment where he's chopping that tree down and he hasn't got any healing factor. And they put that in. So like, he goes, are you tired? He goes, yeah, I'm tired. But he, he kind of feels good about it um, <laughs> to give you that sense that, look, he's normal. And it's like, oh, this is what I've been missing because he never gets tired. Uh, so those little moments, I just really loved. Uh, and the Love Hotel, again, that was such a funny <laughs> thing. So many great moments in this, but it was just let down with the ending. And unfortunately, with Viper, which perme- permeated, her character permeated throughout the film. Um, maybe if she just stayed in her lab coat or, or medical coat and, I don't know, um, but just uh, bald and and you know de-skinning no (laughs) so yeah an eight (laughs) well hey i'm right there with you i'm also going to give this an eight out of ten and uh, and yeah i agree with you i i'm actually going to probably re-watch this later down the line because i'd forgotten how good this film is probably Mm. because the third act that made me cut that turned me off it but uh, i i and i agree with you as you mentioned the bullet train scene is awesome i would almost you know put it up there with the the same kind of train scene we get in spider-man 2 which is oh, yeah. uh, which is obviously a fan favorite. So, you know, speaking yep. of Spider Man, it's uh, it's very much uh, seems like Marvel knows how to do these train scenes very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm right there with you. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten as well. So, when it comes to reading recommendations or recommendations in general, Ray, what would you uh, suggest folks check out, be it comic book wise or other, when it comes to the Wolverine? Yeah, so I've got two. Um, first, uh, I, I've noted I went to – it's one of the great fight scenes, and it, it is uh, Wolverine and Shingen. So it's uh, Chris Claremont and Frank Miller's uh, Wolverine Volume 1, Issue 4. That's mm. where you'll find the fight. Um, really, really good stuff. I mean, there are a lot – Wolverine's had a lot of good fights. Uh, the other one's a, a little bit left of field. 
Uh, I chose uh, a, a thing to read would be Enemy of the State, uh, Wolverine, because uh, he's on the run, um, so to speak. Uh, it kind of gives you that same sort of uh, sort of vibe. Uh, obviously, nothing to do with uh, with Mariko and and um, and Yashida, but just. It's a thrilling, it's a thrilling kind of uh, comic book um, arc. But yeah, those two. Fabulous, and yes, I'm right there with you, Ray. When you would, when you mentioned the Claremont Miller Wolverine mm-hmm. books, because that, that is fabulous. It's great, great stuff, and you can actually see where James Mangold drew from. Mm. Also, I would add Wolverine Origins from 2010. In particular, issues 41 to 45, entitled The Hard Way, where Wolverine literally returns to Japan after having regained his memory. And you know there will be a tangle with the Silver Samurai. So (laughs) definitely check that out if you want to see what the Silver Samurai looks like in comic book form and the more modern, should we say, setting. So yeah, that's Wolverine Origins 2010, issues 41 to 45. Of course, dear listeners, if you want to join us here, like the wonderful Ray, to discuss a movie of your choice, feel free to shoot us an email there, happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. We also really appreciate your thoughts and feedback. You can reach out to us also at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness and Darkness. You can follow us on Twitter, we're at HighDarknessPod. Or also, uh, you can check out my latest Instagram, uh, which has really which, um, gone under some changes. It's now DJ Nictogram, where I talk about, yeah. of course, superhero movies, uh, uh, Oscar-winning movies and such. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, feeling generous, you can check out the great tiers we have going on on Patreon. There you'll be able to pick films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies or even just films inspired by comics like 300 or Road to Perdition or I Kill du- Giants, Death Note and more. Or films which inspired comics. Like, of course, with, with uh, Ray, we discussed Aliens. We, we, mm. Hopefully someday we'll be discussing some Robocop films or Terminator <laughs> or more. Check all that out. You can head on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash happiness in darkness. So, Ray, when it comes to you, when you're not here discussing superhero movies of <laughs> all shapes and sizes, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Yeah, the, the best way to contact me um, is on Twitter at uh, Ray Ray Pod, R-E-Y-R-E-Y Pod, because uh, I do a few podcasts uh, on Moon Knight, Spider-Woman, Superman, and uh, once a month on Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider. I just want to give a little quick shout-out also mm-hmm. to uh, for the Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast uh, that I host. Uh, we've got a new website, so itkmoonknight.com. Uh, we finally got our own kind of domain name. Uh, go check it out. It's got all the links to our Patreon, to our social media platforms, to all our episodes. So uh, check that out if you're interested in Moon Knight at all. Fabulous. Well, folks, I've had the the honor and pleasure to be on this wonderful podcast. So <laughs> definitely check it out because Ray is a fabulous guy, makes you feel right at home, and he's just a, just a great guy to talk to for sure. <laughs> When it comes to me, for you country music lovers, I do host the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play today's country, traditional country, and everything else in between. For more info about that, visit our website. That's whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Podcast-wise, speaking of uh, Oscar-winning movies, feel free to check out our other podcast, Gold Standard, the Oscars movie podcast, where with co-hosts Zan Sprouse and Rachel Friend, we're reviewing all the movies that won the Oscar for Best Picture from 1927's Wings to the present day. You can find us, of course, on Facebook and Twitter. And if superhero TV shows are your speed, myself and Charles Skaggs can be found on the Fandom Zone discussing all sorts of superhero themed TV shows. We finished um, Loki on the Fandom Zone and now switched over to Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, where we're discussing the latest season of Titans and we'll also be discussing the upcoming season of Doom Patrol. So those are Fandom Zone and Titan Talk. And speaking of things to come on this show, I think as I was mentioning to you, uh, Ray, off air, Next time is is a perfect sort of segue because we will be joined by Rachel Friend to discuss the 2021 Destin Daniel Cretton film Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So I can't wait wait either. So I think this was a great, uh, a great, shall we say, prelude to that. Mm. So, uh, Ray, thank you so much, as always, for joining me. Thank you so much for the support. And it's always such a joy to have you on the podcast and look forward to having you back very, very soon. Oh, Nick, it's it's a pleasure and an honor to, to come on the show. I love talking about the movies and, and chatting with you as well. It's just so easy. 
Uh, and it seems like, yeah, we're on the same wavelength with, with most of the films. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you so much. The pleasure was certainly ours. Well, folks, thanks as always for listening to the show and supporting us. We will see you next time with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Until then, stay super. Ciao, my people.